The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, we've got Daniel McQueen on the line here, who at age 28 was leading a healthy and active life. After an optometrist appointment to identify the cause of his persistent headaches was cut short, he was handed a sealed envelope and told to go directly to the hospital. What followed was emergency brain surgery. So we'll of course get more into that story, but good afternoon, Daniel. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Toby. It's a gorgeous day here in Vancouver, Canada. Oh, it's gorgeous here if you count cold as gorgeous well you know (laughs) yeah now what were the events that led up to you having a brain hemorrhage so i was having these headaches that got pretty bad over a few weeks to the point where i would my vision would go spotty and i was on the tube actually going to a friend's place to pick up a microwave and my vision just went black for a few minutes and i was like this is a kind of a big issue for me because (laughs) you know you know it's a kind of a serious there's a sign of something seriously wrong with your brain in this case Mm. uh so i decided to go to a and e and i wouldn't like i wouldn't stop until i found out what the cause of the issue was and i went to a and e they told me they thought it was vertigo and they sent me home but they told me to check my eyes in an optometrist should the should the headache continue so next day i got my eyes checked in an optometrist and then this all kicked off um, zero to 16 about a couple hours here to be honest Toby and what did the optometrist find a uh, massive buildup of pressure in my brain so my eyes were quite the veins in my eyes were quite um, strained that mm. indicates there's a lot of pressure from behind indicating there's a lot of pressure in my brain so it was escalated quite quickly the sealed envelope was not a casual move you know he told me go directly to Moorfields Hospital which I didn't really do I kind of went home first to grab a bite to eat and, <laughs> and, uh, and a book and a phone charger and stuff like this but I didn't open the envelope that he gave me which i figured it was main his main ask was this right so i yeah i entered that but then it all kind of kicked off and i had emergency brain surgery turns out i had a brain hemorrhage on the table and then it was all off to the races after that man and how soon after you arrived at the hospital did you have the surgery like my eyes checked the, the day the day and the day after i went to emergency brain surgery so it was about maybe 10 hours and the fact that you stopped up at home first do you think that hindered things or was it kind of insignificant overall no very insignificant i think like what would have been nice was if the the two previous any visits indicated there was maybe a problem that could be looked at that probably hindered things more than stopping off at home to grab a jack reacher book by the child you know it was a yeah. rather insignificant vibe they think the cyst burst when they operated in my head so that's what caused the brain hemorrhage but um it was all rather dramatic if i'm honest with you toby yeah prior to these headaches 
had you had any inkling that anything was wrong with you? I mean, was it something that built up over time? No. So I was a healthy and active 20-year-old guy living and working in London. I played footy, five-a-side hockey, or five-a-side footy, and then I played ball hockey on the weekends in London. Lots of going out, lots of late nights, like a pretty healthy guy, very healthy guy, to be honest. And then his headaches just kind of ramped up over a few weeks. And before I knew it, I was, you know, in the hospital. And that was pretty, well, when I woke up in the hospital, Toby, I'll tell you this one story. Yeah. I woke up with my brother, mom, and dad around the bedside, and they're all kind of looking at me like, are you are you, are you okay? Are you alive? And I'm trying to talk, but I can't talk because I had a tracheotomy, which helps you breathe. And I couldn't speak because my vocal cords took a while to come back. And I pointed at my brother, I go, you. And I go, get me a pen and paper. So I wrote down on my pen and paper, get me out of here. And I gave it to him and I pointed at him like, you've got to action this, bud. And Cam's like, <laughs> what do you want me to do, man? Like you're, you're hooked up to like 13 tubes and hoses and literally didn't know we were in the hospital for months after this. So it wasn't like a casual vibe. But I looked around me, I saw all the medical stuff and I figured there's no way I got coverage for this. I was uh, I was a Canadian living in London, right? So I was a bit mm. worried that this would be connected up with the, health, the medical side of things, but it was uh, quite the excitement. I'll tell you that much, Joby. <laughs> Yeah. What did you mean by the get me out of here thing? Did you generally want to just get up and run away or was it a different meaning? No, get me out of here. Like, get me out of the hospital right now, which like wasn't the smartest call. And like, it probably wasn't, um, wasn't helpful at all. But like, you just kind of wake up in the startled phrase, like, I got to get out of here right now. And you know, that feeling when you're at a party, you get like, I got to leave right now. Yeah. I kind of got that feeling in the hospital. I'm like, let's get out of here. And then, you know, I was in the hospital for months after this. So it was not a casual pick up and go situation. And speaking of your family, members i guess it was kind of hard before having the surgery brain surgery as we all know is very hard to do so you maybe thought this could be the last time that i'll get to message family members and whatnot yeah so i sent a text to my mom like i sent an email to folks in canada dropping the old looks like i'm gonna have brain surgery tomorrow which is like a pretty serious (laughs) issue i'm like this could be bad yeah but the last text message i sent my mom was something i i've got and i used in my presentation was See you soon, mom. Think I'll have a new haircut next time I see you. Love, Dan. <laughs> Think I'll have a new haircut next time I see you. Love, Dan. And that kind of shows like that masks a lot with that message, right? That sounds pretty cool and collected, but man, I was bricking it. I was like, this could be the last message I write in this earth. Like, don't go on like a whimpering punk. Like, yeah. have some cheek, have some charm, have some class. And I sent that message instead. And like to mom's credit, she responded back with a very positive message of like, oh, you'll be even cuter. The hospital's in your neighborhood. Like you're under good care. You have good hospitals there. See you when you wake up. And little did we know we'd all go pear-shaped on the operating table. And I was uh, in a coma for a few weeks. And when I woke up again, it was uh, it was it was a month and a half later. So it was a pretty, pretty wild ride. Did you know what the after effects would be from the hemorrhage and the surgery? No. So my leg was frozen at an angle in the, in the ICU and the coma so i had to relearn how to walk at the wilson rehab center and they helped me walk again um after long arduous splint wearing operations now a splint's like a cast you wear over your leg that stretches your leg muscle what had happened was the leg had frozen an angle in the icu and we had to stretch that leg muscle back out to get it viable again so i mean that was one of the hiccups i had to overcome managed to get back to walking again then we got back to work then we had a second setback toby about a year Mm -hmm. later i was found unconscious in my flat by my mom the shunt that's in my brain had blocked leading to hydrocephalus or water on the brain. And this required another round of emergency brain surgery. I woke up again in the hospital hearing the beeping noises of a uh, hurry monitor being told that I just had a second brain injury, a bre- wow. second brain surgery. And I'm asking like all my progress is washed away. And they go, well, we, we got the brain, like the blockage, we got the blockage here. But yeah, you had to undergo emergency brain surgery again. And like this yeah. was 
devastating, man. Like you work for a whole year to rebuild yourself back to work and then to have a second brain injury and feel like all that work was ripped out from under your feet was like super difficult to navigate and took a lot of mental fortitude and resilience to kind of get on with things. So it was quite, uh, there, there was no roadmap. There was no prescription of what was going to happen. It was all kind of a la carte freestyle operation here, Toby. Yeah, because it must have been quite frustrating anyway, even before that setback to have to relearn everything. Yeah, like, I mean, I really had to walk, talk and smile again. Like I couldn't speak for the longest time because the tracheotomy had damaged my vocal cords. And one of the doctors said like, I don't think he can speak again to my folks. They told this to my folks, right? I'm like, and then I was taken down to the park by a Kiwi nurse and she got me talking. She got me singing again, man. Let me tell you that much. She was, she was goading me into like, these guys across the park don't think you're good enough to talk, Dan. (laughs) I I yelled a few choice words at them and like mustered up some courage to speak and that got my voice back, man. So that's a motivator for me for sure. Proving people wrong is a big (laughs) thing for me. Did these people hear the choice words? Yeah. Oh, what did they think? They're kind of like, well, it took me, they weren't, they weren't that coherent out of the hop, man. It was, it was a kind of a jumbled mess of like noise and, and profanities yelled in a general direction, but it was, uh, and it got me going, man. Like you got to find what motivates you. And I think that's the biggest thing for people is to understand what motivates you. And for me, that was proving people wrong. It's transitioned now to helping people, but like initially that was proving people wrong. And that's still a big part of my vibe with honestly. Like someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, okay, cool, watch me. I guess that's a pretty common thing for people that have had such a huge, physical health setback where their doctors may say they'll never walk, talk, whatever again, and they end up proving them wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's like a big motivator for me. And like, you know, I love being told I can't do something or I'm not good enough to do this. Like, cool, watch me. And that really got me going, man. So that's like uh, understanding what motivates you and drives you helps you to rebuild back better, right? So like, this is key for your your listeners to understand is like what motivates you and just like dive into that. Like, don't worry about where it comes from. If it's right or if it's proper, like that two for the attitude is not always proper to be like, hey man, jog on or kick rocks but like that works man and don't mess with what works and the fact that you were in hospital for months did that make you frustrated anxious or just even bored yeah i mean like it's it's a long time like it was a long time in the hospital i was pretty over the food i'll be honest with you there like yeah my dad brought in uh fish and chips from a chippy down the road and i placed in hammersmith and i inhaled them in about two seconds <laughs> best meal i've ever had in my life i told him like the food in the hospital is grand but like and they do what they can there man it's a difficult job to yeah. help facilitate and bring people back to life they got a very inventive menu and they try very hard at the at the charing cross hospital hospital and Wilson Rehab Center. So I got lots of gratitude for them, but it is difficult to be in the hospital for those long periods of time and to, to navigate in a way that's going to allow you to rebuild and, and to get back better and, and keep your mind right. Keeping your mind right is so key for this, Toby. Like if your mind's not right, you're in big trouble and your world of hurt. So I think that's the biggest thing for people to listen to. Yeah. And how's your life changed since the brain hemorrhage? Has it been a kind of turning point for you? Oh, for sure. My friend describes this as post-traumatic growth, uh, which is like post-traumatic stress, but like you improve rather than digress. Yeah. Now, like I just, I look at life through a different filter, different lens, and I, I'm kind of much more intentional about my day and my actions and my words. That being said, Toby, like I will make blunders. Like a brain injury is not a, you never fully recover from a brain injury, right? You're always, I always describe my life as like a 75% battery. Every minute of every second of every day is draining from that battery. Below 50, I'm a bit of a prick. Below 40, I'm a bit of an ass. I got to <laughs> meditate or like take a nap to recharge myself back up to 75. But once I'm back up to 75, that starts draining right away. So yes, there's, there's, ongoing stuff I'm working with here but it's uh, stuff I'm very aware of now and and actively working to improve it and and mitigate as best I can. Do you think that having a positive mindset has helped you recover quickly or is that not really how it works? 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 100%. I think having a positive mindset is so key for this. Because you can really go down what I call the pity spiral. Woe is me. This isn't fair. And the thing is, Toby, you're not wrong. It's not fair. Mm. Thing is, no one cares. And no one's going to come rescue you. You can't play the victim because at the end of the day, no one's coming to get you. You got to get your way out of this. Yeah. And by always playing poopy pants and, and with the mentality, like you're not taking steps forward. Like the fact that you wish this didn't happen doesn't alleviate the fact that it happened. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility to alleviate this. It wasn't mm. my fault the brain injury happened, but it was my responsibility to build back from this and to get back on top and no one else is coming to get you you got to save yourself and you say that this is post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress have you had any stress or any negative mental things associated with it even if it's not an actual diagnosis of anything oh for sure like i was the first setback probably took me a month to get over in terms of like this isn't fair the second setback you know where i found woke up in the emergency room probably took me about a week and the third setback probably took me about an afternoon i got let go from my job this past summer uh and a restructuring about 400 other people 400 other people lost their job wow and i gave myself an afternoon to go for lunch and then i realized i'm going to become a motivational speaker picked up a uh, computer that afternoon and went to go go chase that down. I've been doing that ever since. So like the faster you can get to acceptance, the better. Like the fact that you wish something didn't happen doesn't mean it mitigates or alleviates the fact that it did happen. You have to get yourself back on track. By wishing it didn't happen, I could be taking steps forward and progressing myself rather than wishing it didn't happen. Then the day you'll still have to make that up that ground. So like, why not just do it faster? And as a motivational speaker, do you feel that you're making a big difference to a lot of people's 
mindsets really in lives. 100%. I've had a lot of my talk, I have these hacks that I share at the end of my presentation. None of people have had come up to me after the talk and be like, Dan, I make my bed now because of you. It's like, that seems like a very minor thing, but like it's a very mm. intentional way to start your day. And like a small win like that can cascade and, and momentum can build into big things for the day. That's a funny little example of like how I can have an impact. But like, I've had probably a dozen people tell me like, Dan, I make my bed now because of you, which is pretty cool. And like that mindset permeates everything you do. Like there's tons of hacks in the presentation I give to help you be better, better than yesterday, which is key to all this. You say that that's kind of a minor thing, but I suppose it is a kind of major thing in a way, somebody making their bed because of you, because making a bed is an important task is something that has to be done every day and if you've made somebody do that that's quite impressive well it's like it's a start of like morning routines are so big and like I'm religious with my morning routine so for instance I wake up I make my bed I go to the gym shower I cold end the shower cold and then I meditate and they go have breakfast hmm. every morning is like the same kind of blueprint where I'll do the meditation for sure cold shower for sure work out if I can it fits my schedule but like every morning's the same and I do this religiously to use the making bed example again yeah if you're sitting there all day with an unmade bed that's going to affect you in a negative way isn't it whereas if you've got a bed that's nicely made you'll have a better mindset for the day maybe for sure there's a great video on uh, on youtube a commander if you search like making your bed commander someone or captain david phillips or something like this Talk about the benefits of making your bed. And the first benefit is the room will look tidy. It can be messy, but if the bed is made, the room will look tidy. The second is the first task you accomplish in the day. You pave the way for more success. Start by making your bed and get that quick win behind you. At the end of the day, you get into bed. Hey, I accomplished that in the morning. It's a small win, but these things cascade and build momentum and help you achieve bigger and better things. Momentum is a big part of my vibe these days. And harnessing momentum and building that up can help you strive and reach big things in life. Yeah. You were in hospital for three months, so you were kind of in the bed. So I take it you couldn't have made it. But were there things like that, that you did in hospital every day to try and achieve something? Yeah, like, I mean, small goals are quite key. I was actually in the hospital for a bit longer than three months, David. I think I was in there for about eight months. Wow, okay. But um, small goals and stuff like that are so key to helping you structure your day. Like, my my goal came getting into the wheelchair in 30 minutes, not 35. Mm. The next time it was 25, then 20, then 15. Like, you set small goals for yourself and improve and keep charging towards that if you can. But having those small little wins and small little goals to reach for and accomplish allow you to be better than yesterday and help allow you to, like, build momentum and gain some progress. So what other ways can we be better than yesterday? Because that sounds like quite a hard thing to do every single day. Yeah, like it's, um, they're not major wins here. Right? Like mm. if you fail at something, understand why you failed and just don't do that again. Like I lost, I have this story that I tell about dropping the clicker in the hospital. And like the lessons I learned from this were I've got double vision, which means I can't see straight. I got double vision, so I see two of everything. Oh. So passing a clicker back and forth is not a good idea. So we don't do that again. The second lesson learned was like, let's do the splint up at the hip, not at the ankle. That way I can undo it should it happen again. These are small lessons that you kind of learn and they stockpile and they compound. May not seem like much, but if you can alleviate that mistake from happening again, you're better than yesterday. And every day that you're better than yesterday, you improve and you compound. And this, these results stack on top of each other. They build momentum. Yeah. So like just little things like that can can change your whole vibe. So anytime you make a mistake or fail, like, okay, that's fair. That happens to everyone. Let's try to avoid that happening again. And you do that by 
dissecting the aftermath of what happened. Let's not do it that way again because it didn't work. But little small changes can make a big result. And when you've been, motivationally speaking, have you met anybody that's been in a similar situation to you? Yeah, for sure. This talk was born out of a talk I gave it to outpatients at my old rehab center. Shout out Wolfson Rehab Center now in uh, um, Roehampton. Used to be in uh, Tune Broadway. Mm. But I had one person say like, I talk about swimming a lot. It's my big exercise, swimming. And one of them said that he'd returned back to, he'd try swimming again because he had given up after the brain injury because it took so much time and effort. After hearing me talk, he decided he's going to go back to the pool and try that out again because I did it. Why can't you? I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone. I've done this through graft, falling down seven times, getting up eight. I keep going, man. Yeah. And that's the only thing that I've got over anyone else is I just won't stop. Like, tell me I can't do something. Watch me, man. But like hearing that person like say, I'm going to go back swimming again. That's a real meaningful impact. Like I, I did that. I changed that. And maybe he does goes one time and stops but like maybe he goes and he keeps going and he goes a bit faster the next time a bit faster the next time before you know what he's swimming like once a week or once a month mm. or twice a week or three times a week and like i did that by changing his mindset about what he looked at and like that's a big result and a big impact i'd love to have in the world and when you were suffering in the early days of recovering from the brain hemorrhage did you have anybody that you looked up to as a kind of motivational speaker? Yeah, so I'm a big podcast junkie these days. So like Tim Ferriss, big in my vibe. Jocko Willing's pretty cool with like um, discipline is discipline equals freedom. Like Jocko Willing's big. A lot of these podcasters and, and, and motivational guys are quite big in my vibe these days. Mm. Some of them are better than others, but like at the end of the day, you got to break down the message of what it is and like understand what resonates with you. For me, motivation is a big part of this. Like tell me I can't do something about it and watch me do it. I'll bend the yeah. world to make sure that I prove you wrong. Understanding what, what pulls the levers for you is so key because that'll fire you up and get you going. If you can find that out, that's half the battle. What's coming up for you? Do you have any kind of projects, if you do that kind of thing, and motivational speeches coming up? Yeah, so I've got a few uh, potential motivational gigs coming up um, in the in the new year. Yeah, had a podcast that dropped on Monday through the Resilience Institute based in Auckland, New Zealand, or New Zealand rather. Yeah, That's a great podcast to check out, my story, and a great institute to be a part affiliated with they're, they're a huge proponent for resilience in the world and just understanding how to foster that and kind of harness that um i really recommend people to check that out online um speaking gigs are coming up all the time i spoke at a high school two weeks ago and i spoke at a football club last week well wow. and a ranger group in waterloo online the week before that so it's been going well yeah is 2023 looking busy for you so far looking busy man i'm trying to get back on the slopes again this year i skied for the first time in 10 years this past winter in 2022 yeah. I'm trying to go back up next winter as well, or this winter as well. Uh, but yeah, 2023 is looking like a great year, man. I'm looking looking at the sunshine right now. In a funny way, do you think the fact that you lost your job was maybe a good thing for your health? Because it seems like you're now doing a job that, I mean, I don't know what your last job was, but this seems like a job that you are maybe enjoying more. Oh, 100%. Like it was a, a tech job I was at for nine years. So it was a bit of a shock to lose the job, but I wouldn't have had the guts to quit the job and pursue this full time. But being let go from the job and restructuring gave me the kind of air cover and bandwidth to try this out full time and it's been you know i've been motivated and caffeinated every day to get up and, and chase this down and like i can i will i must kind of vibe well where are all the places that we can keep up to date with you for sure so i'm mcqueen dan m-a-c-q-u-e-e-n dan across instagram twitter and that's also my website, mcqueendan.com and Daniel McQueen on LinkedIn if you want to follow along there. Uh, the website should be up in the next week or two and I've got a demo reel that's hot off the press coming at you probably next week, if I'm honest. Excellent. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show. Toby, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.